When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie podcast. What's up? This is Joe Rogan, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. I have so lovely pretty eyes. Hey, this is Brent from Shinedown, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hey, Carrie, go put your brow on, girl. Hey, this is Steven Tyler, and you'll be listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. What's up? This is Aaron from Stan. And you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Grohl from the Food Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is David from the Band Disturbed, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. Hi, Bruce Dickinson here from Iron Maiden. Yes, indeed. Miss Whiplash herself, Mrs. Carrie, is here to um, unchain your brain. Hi, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. This is Dennis Leary. You are listening to my favorite, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour, and you're listening to. You have the privilege of listening to Mr. Scary. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Hey, it's Mistress Carrie reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 186 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. And today's episode is the final episode of 2023. And we're definitely leaving on a high note because we get to welcome Tim Montana to the show. Now, before we get to this week's guest, I want to remind you about everything you can find online at mistresscarry.com. Not only can you get access to every episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast and every situation report, which comes out Monday through Friday, which is about five minutes long and gives you all of your rock and entertainment news, but you also get access to my event and concert calendar with all of the rock shows coming through New England. You can check out my blog, get the links to all of my social media accounts, and get yourself a Mistress Carrie backstage pass on Patreon. And if Santa didn't bring you everything you wanted under the tree, you can also do some after-holiday shopping in the online Mistress Carrie store. Get the details on all that and more at mistresscarry.com. Tim Montana is an unbelievable musician and singer who you may remember wrote a theme song for the Red Sox with Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top called This Beard Came Here to Party. Well, now Tim Montana is working on new music and his song The Devil You Know is climbing up the rock charts. And it's perfect timing because he's heading out in the spring on the tailgate tour with Stained, Seether, and Sanisonia. 
He's also going to be at the Big Gig 3 at the DCU Center in Worcester, Massachusetts. That bill will have Asking Alexandria. And on April 30th, the tailgate tour takes over the Cross Insurance Arena in Portland, Maine. So I sat down with Tim Montana to talk about his upbringing without electricity, to talk about trying to make it as a country artist in Nashville, and how he found his home in the rock world. We talked about his holiday preparations in Montana with his giant Christmas tree and how he tackles the creative process and songwriting. Tim Montana is an artist you're going to want to keep an eye on in 2024 because he's got new music on the way that should get released in the spring. It was so great getting to know him and I'm so happy that he's on our final episode of the year. So allow me to introduce you to Tim Montana. Mr. Tim Montana. Hello. How, how are you? I'm really good. Thanks for taking the time. You bet. You bet. Thanks for having me. Are you home right now? I am in Wise River, Montana. The mountains and the river are right behind me. I don't know if you can see this backdrop, but it's pretty incredible. Wow. Look at you. Yeah. Nice and quiet at home before the big tailgate tour with Stained. <clears throat> yep. Yep. We're getting ready. Headed to the studio Monday. So enjoying some time with the kiddos. So... The rest of 2023, is it holidays and kid time and then all work next year? What What's the calendar look like? I had hoped it was holiday and kid times, but we're going to cut a record Monday. So we're in uh, Nashville next week. And then I come back and then we're off to Los Angeles to the Billy Gibbons birthday bash at the Troubadour for three nights in a row. So that should be fun. Billy always throws me in the mix last year he's like you can solo after joe bonamassa and i'm like oh thanks (laughs) (laughs) you know what i love about that birthday bash that billy's like i'm throwing my own party because i want it to be the way i want it exactly he picks the artist it's really cool last year was robbie krieger from the doors and joe bonamassa and you got kenny arnoff on drums and i'm like wow what a super band and yeah he literally had me solo after joe and i Joe just wails, right? Like he's he's legendary. And I was like, oh God. So I did like a simple open G thing I learned. And afterwards, Bonamasa comes up to me. He's like, man, you picked the perfect tasteful solo. Blah, 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 blah. And I didn't bother telling him that's the only thing I knew in that key. But he thought it was perfect and that I intentionally did that. And I was like, ah, should I tell him I was absolutely terrified? It is one of those experiences that I think unless you're a Beatle, you're bound on the way through your career to end up in a room where you're like, how the hell did I get here? Yes. Yes. And it's always Gibbons that puts me in those rooms. We wrote with Chris Chris Stapleton one day and I just kind of sitting there like Billy Gibbons to my right, Stapleton to my left. And I'm like, okay, deep breaths. Like think about, you know, calming thoughts and just do your job. (laughs) Are you constantly surrounded by people with majestic beards? Yeah, pretty much. It's a thing. I'm just kind of in the beard group all the time. So facial hair is a big thing. My husband's active duty military, and I know you do a lot of work with veterans. And he swears that when he finally retires, that he's not going to shave for a year. Yeah, that'd be rowdy. What, What branch is he in? He's a Marine. Oh, wow. Semper Fi. I don't thank you for his service. I definitely will. Yeah, awesome. Much respect. Mad respect. Yeah, the the beard thing, I'm trying to imagine. Remember that thing we played with when we were kids with the magnet and you could drag the 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 magnet shreds around yeah, the face? Yeah. I'm trying to imagine him with a beard and it's hard. 
Yeah, I don't have a chin, so this beard, you know, just has to be here to make up for lack there of chin. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'd have a butt chin if I shaved. And I, I did. I think the last time I went almost clean was like 23 or 24, and I almost cried for a week. And my wife is like, never again, because I can't deal with you dealing with yourself without a beard. I was going to say, <laughs> would she even recognize you without it? No, and my kids would probably freak out. I got four little kids, so, well, not all little, but yeah. When you head to Nashville, it comes up so often on the show, being from the Northeast, whenever I thought of Nashville, I always thought of like rhinestones and cowboy boots, and that's where country music is, but rock music has kind of invaded Nashville and like almost taken over the town. It's unreal how much rock music is coming out of there now. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and I was just in L.A. doing the Matt Pinfield Power Hour um, down there. And, you know, we went on Sunset. I went to college there in like 2003 and four, and Sunset Boulevard was packed and rock stars were everywhere. And I went down there and it was like dead. And I'm like, and I love L.A., but I'm like, what happened? And then I go to Nashville and you're like going to a restaurant and Dave Mustaine walks in. And I'm like, did they all move here? <laughs> it's weird. A lot of people did. And it's it's one of those things where it's like, I didn't understand it until I yeah. went there. And like New Orleans, when a city is built on the foundation of music, right? musicians are going to want to be there. Yeah. I went to a party uh, maybe a year ago in Nashville and Vince Neil, Kid Rock, Dave Mustaine. I mean, I'm just sitting there like, wow, all the rock stars moved here. And I was, thought, you know, shooting, the, talking with them. And they're all like, oh, yeah, I live in Franklin. Oh, yeah, I live here. Oh, I live there. And I'm like, wow, they all moved here. It's wild. I mean, it is It's music city. It's not known as country music city, even though you think of country music with Nashville. But it's music city. You got the studios. You got the A-list players. You got all these guys. And it's pretty central to the U.S. to get around. And it's easy to tour out of all the bus companies are there. And that's what a lot of the bands say that logistically it just made so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely music city and in all genres. So and you're going to be playing with Seether and Sean Morgan lives there, too. Yeah, that's right. Sean lives there. Yeah, we've become buddies via text and uh, he's a sweetheart. He keeps, you know, I see you on the charts and texting me all the time. And me, him and Aaron are, you know, excited to get out on this tour. So they've been very supportive. While I was getting ready for this interview, I saw that you're to go back to guitar, that you're a self-taught guitarist. And yeah. it always comes up on the show when I talk to guitar players, because as a non-musician, I, for some reason, always imagined that you guys all took lessons, read music, and the more I talk to guitarists, the more I learn that's not the case at all. Yeah, it's interesting. I went to guitar school in LA, and I actually got kicked out twice or failed out twice because <laughs> I only took the classes that I thought I needed, and I told people, well, I got a PhD in partying, however, I failed out twice. But uh, I met a blind guitarist from Maine that blew my mind. His name is Johnny Highland, and he is one of the most gifted musicians to ever walk planet Earth. And he, you know, my brother's blind. And I realized at a young age that when these guys lose a sense, they gain another one. And if they happen to be musicians, I mean, look at Ray Charles, Stevie Wonder, all these guys. And Johnny Highland's one of those dudes. And I met him in L.A. right when I was failing out the second time. And he's like, I live in Nashville. And I was like, uh, can I move there and just, you know watch you play and I was a terrible student but I drove him around and just kind of absorbed some of his stuff and I still can't play one percent of what he can do but yeah so I never really as a kid I learned on my own I had one blind guitar teacher 
my mom's an interpreter for the deaf. My brother's blind. So I grew up with deaf people, blind people, um, and just realized their gifts on the other side of, you know, like I said, losing a sense, but, uh, yeah. So just kind of self-taught with lessons here and there in between, but I'm too ADD to focus. So I just kind of had to figure it out. (laughs) Uh, one of the radio stations I'm on is in Maine. Oh, wow. So there's people in Maine listening right now. I hope Johnny Highland's there, man. He gave (laughs) me my first shot, produced my first record. Love that guy. (laughs) So when you grow up kind of teaching yourself as a kid the guitar, where did that first guitar come from? Did you find it in a closet in the house? Whose was it? A pawn shop in Kalispell, Montana. And it was a pretty cheap nylon string guitar that got brought home for Christmas one year. And uh, my mom still tells a story. I went to the music store in Kalispell and was like, well, can we fix this up? I've saved like $40. Can I fix up my little guitar? Because I was just playing the heck out of it. And the guy said, I'll tell you, tell you how to fix it. Take it out back and smash it. And my mom said, you cried for three days straight. Oh. <laughs> I was like eight years old at the time. And then a couple of Christmases later, we grew up pretty poor. Um, a couple of Christmases later, a Fender acoustic came around. So I finally got, finally got it. And then I got an electric guitar. But we didn't have electricity, so I'd have to start a generator and I'd have to get ether to start the old nasty generator to get the amp going. And it's funny because everyone's like, why don't you play acoustic very much anymore? I'm like, hey, it reminds me of poverty. <laughs> <laughs> Weird I, thing. Personal I saw choice. that online that it said you grew up without electricity. And I was like, maybe that's just an Internet rumor. I didn't think it was true. No, it's 100% true. I'd have to trim wicks, and we lived very, very remote, and it was wood stove, lanterns, candles, and uh, waking up in the dark to because it was such a long commute to school. And uh, But, yeah, I hated it at the time because I never got to go to movies. We lived too far out of town to do anything fun, so I was kind of alone, and my friend was the guitar. My friend was music. I didn't really have friends. And, uh, but now I look back, I'm like, man, I'm glad I didn't have distractions because I was really able to hone my craft at a young age and realize that I had the ear for music and I could hear a song and pick it up on the guitar, which, uh, probably came from my late father. He was the only, uh, and I didn't know him. He, he left when I was like five, but, uh, he was a guy that played saxophone and apparently was like legendary in the pits of Vegas. And, uh, yeah, so I think I inherited his music bug and now I hear my daughter up in her bedroom. She hears a song she plays and then can play it on the piano immediately and i'm like oh no she's got it but it she's comes got up the all the time on the show whether or not it's learned or genetic <sighs> gotta be genetic because none of my siblings you know we have different dads but say mom none of them play music so that had to come from dad for sure I have a theory about music that there's two different phases of your musical life. There's the soundtrack to your childhood, which is the music you get exposed to kind of unwillingly. And Uh then there's a moment where you hear something that you decide you like and everything changes in your musical identity after that. So what was the soundtrack to your childhood? And then what was the first thing you remember going, oh, hold on, I like that? I found a Guns N' Roses tape. We owned a pawn shop in Montana and my mom would bring home random tapes and CDs. And I found a Guns N' Roses tape that had Mr. Brownstone and Welcome to the Jungle on the other side. And I remember that moment when I was like five and I heard the sirens at the beginning of Welcome to the Jungle and the guitar and then Axel screaming. And I was like, whoa. And I think the moment I heard music that I knew I wanted to do was when I got into Nirvana at like 13. And I really got into it. Like I wore nothing but Nirvana shirts. I was writing article or writing stuff in English class about Kurt Cobain constantly. I just 
was fascinated with what was going on or what, I mean, he'd already passed. So it was, you know, what had happened in Seattle. And uh, so that was definitely that moment where I learned every song. And then in eighth grade, I played the pep rally and I played uh, smells like teen spirit and sweet home, Alabama. <laughs> and here I am many years later doing similar music to that to stay, you know, so it's pretty wild that that's such a defining moment. There's a distinct difference between being able to play an instrument and being able to craft a song. So right. when did you realize you could write songs and do you remember the first song you ever wrote? I don't know that I remember the first song I ever wrote, but I still to this day, when people ask me to learn to cover, I'm terrible at learning other people's lyrics. So when I was a kid, if I didn't know verse two, I would spit out verse two from my head of my own words. <laughs> and they drove my mom nuts. She's like, can you learn a whole song? And I'm like, no, I can't, but I can make up verse two how I would have chosen it. And I got really good at dropping words out really fast too. I've even done like rap circles where I'll rap with guys and they're like, how do you do that? And I'm just like, I don't know. I just like have words in my head and they fall out because I can't remember the actual words. So that was a very young age. I started crafting my own songs and I actually have some old tapes where I'd record myself just making stuff up. And that's, you know, when I think about lyrics too long, I feel like they're not as good as when I just spit them out and then I tweak them a little bit. So does it start with the lyric first or do you start with the riff or the melody first? I prefer riffs and melody, and that is kind of a thing I've battled with a little bit with songwriting, and I've had some success with other other artists recording my songs, but I feel like I fall in love with the music first and the lyrics second, and that's why I never learned all the lyrics of those songs, because I was so infatuated with the melody and the chords that I didn't bother to listen to the words. I mean, I recently I have like reading words of Nirvana songs I used to sing, and I'm like, he said what? <laughs> Well, I think we've all made the mistake of thinking Hendrix said, excuse me while I kiss this guy. And it's, Yes, 100%. I thought know, that That's not years. the lyric. <laughs> I was like, huh, Jimmy, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the lyric. Yep. With the holidays coming up, um, every family has those holiday traditions. So what is what are some of the, the family traditions that you're looking forward to the most? Christmas vacation with Chevy Chase. I mean, just since I was a kid, starting the generator to watch it when I was a kid. Now we have this thing called electricity where we can put it on whatever we want. We can stream it. It's wild. The internet is crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I haven't watched it yet. It's, it can't be like right after Thanksgiving. It's, it's coming in the next week. You got to time that right. Um, and then we cut the biggest Christmas tree we've ever had in our life this year. Because uh, we have a house up, a new place we moved into in August in Montana. And it has this massive room that like spans the whole house, the two-story house, and it's all glass. And I'm like, my wife's like, let's fill it. And I'm like, yep. So if the tree falls, someone's going to die. Uh, there's that. Um, so we went we went hard on Christmas this year for the first time ever. Because living in the South, not having a winter freaked me out in my whole calendar. My head was off. Because in Montana, it's like, oh, it's 10 below zero and there's five feet of snow. It's the holidays. Being in and New England, it's the same thing. I, I have such a hard time imagining hanging lights on a palm tree. It doesn't make sense to me. Right, right. So this year, I'm like, we have seasons again, aggressive seasons. So let's go hard at Christmas. And we already had probably six inches of snow. It melted. But now it's like it was eight degrees this morning when I got up. So I'm like, oh, yeah. Have you ever had a tree fall down? I had one come down. It was weird. I don't know if we've had a tree fall. Maybe a small one. But this guy I posted on my Instagram. It's got to be 14 feet. And the base of it is bigger than my head. And I'm like, if this thing falls, we're in trouble. 
Well, that's what I was going to say, because that's how big my tree is. And wow. my stand couldn't handle the weight of the big tree. And I was watching TV late night one night, and I heard, like, the jingling with all the ornaments. And yeah. then it was like my tree was drunk, and it just laid down. It was the slowest, and you're powerless to do anything. You're like, oh, and it just went, and just laid down. And I just, I didn't know what to do. It was, at even my dog looked at me and was like, what? <laughs> I was hoping there'd be a squirrel in my tree this year, but no luck yet. <laughs> Put a safety line on it and have a good tree stand. That's the only yeah, exactly. advice I can give you. Yeah. Are you surprised by the success of Devil You Know? Because it's it's everywhere now. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. Um, I didn't know that was going to happen. Uh, we just kind of cut. No one asked me to go cut this rock track. I just did it because I felt it. And I was like, eh, kind of getting burned out of the Nashville scene. And I'm like, they don't want to let me in. My hair's too long. My beard's too long. You're too rock, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm going to make a rock song and move to Montana. And <laughs> literally the day we closed on our property up here is the day I found out I have a radio ad date. And I'm like, what? How is that happening on August 30th, the same exact day we're closing up here? And they put it on and it just shot up the charts. And I'm just sitting here like, wow, that is the timing of that is unbelievable. So I'm living in in crappy airports all the time now. But you know what? It's worth it. It's worth every minute of it. So I'm just I heard the same thing from Jelly Roll on the show about feeling like he wasn't going to have a musical home. And now. Yeah. And He's got a musical home. And I don't feel like an alien in the it kind of being in the country scene for this many years. You know, I just kind of felt out of place all the time. And I'm like, oh, I'm too wild and I can't say this and I'm restricted. And now I'm over in the rock format going, this feels just right. There's and you, weirdos just like me. And here. you get to hang out with purple haired weirdos. Exactly. Yes. My people. Yes. Well, I'm going to see you a couple times. You're going to be at the big gig three. In Massachusetts, which I'm going to be hosting. So I will see you there for sure. And then I'm also going to see you at the SNHU Arena in New Hampshire on April 30th. So you're going to be spending some serious time in New England this spring. Yeah, yeah. We were up there a bunch for the World Series for the Red Sox. Me and Billy from ZZ Top wrote their theme song. And I don't watch sports, don't know a lot about baseball. Didn't grow up with the TV, but it was really cool to get to go to Fenway Park, and I love getting up on up in New England. So a lot of folks remember that song, like the beard came here to party. Look, if you if you love the socks in any way, shape, or form, then we love you. So <laughs> that's awesome. So you you've got a lot of friends up here. Yeah, I can't wait. It was so nice to meet you. We'll see you in the spring. Enjoy your holidays and your giant Christmas tree. Yes, thank you so much. Enjoy yours, and uh, thanks for having me. And we'll be looking for the new album in the spring, right around the time you hit, up, uh, hit the road. We're cutting it Monday. It's really heavy. I'm really excited. I don't know the release date yet, but I know we're going to have new music coming by spring. I don't know if it's the full-length album yet. Uh, I just, you know, I'm just following orders here. I'm having a blast. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't tell me because I'm really bad at keeping secrets. <laughs> okay. Have a great day. Happy holidays. Thank you, Gary. Appreciate it. Bye. There he is, the one and only Tim Montana. See him at the Big Gig 3 at the DCU Center in Worcester, Massachusetts with Stained Seether and Asking Alexandria. And you can see him on the Tailgate Tour April 30th at the Cross Insurance Arena in Portland, Maine with Stained Seether and Sanisonia. The links for both shows to get tickets 
are in the show notes of this episode. You'll also find all of Tim Montana's links, all the Mistress Carrie links, and the link to this episode's corresponding playlist. I make a playlist for every full-length episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast that features all of my guest music and all the songs and artists that we referenced in the interview. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe to the Mistress Carrie podcast. New full-length episodes come out every Wednesday, plus every weekday you get the sit rep with all your rock news, music headlines, and entertainment updates in about five minutes. And you never know when you're going to get a bonus episode. You can find me live every Tuesday night at 8.30 Eastern on my official Facebook page for my video show, Cocktails in the War Room. And of course, you can always find me on the radio. Get the details on all that and more at MistressCarrie.com. The Mistress Carrie Podcast, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.